Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, as you have spoken through your word for generations upon generations, speak now here in this place once again, that we might be pointed to the one who lived, died, and rose for us, and that we might be witnesses to him, his ascension, and his coming again. In Jesus' name, amen. The ascension of Jesus often gets forgotten as a festival, something to celebrate, a truth about God. But every time I think about it, it challenges me with some hard questions. Every time I think about, and truthfully, admittedly, something I forget about too as well, that we think and talk a lot about, the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, rightly so. But there is a lot of comfort and hope, and as just we sang, rest to our hearts and souls to believe in the ascension of Jesus. But it pushes me to some hard questions. And what are they? Well, the hard question, it, maybe the hardest question it pushes me to think about is this. Do I actually live on a daily basis as if I actually believe in the ascension of Jesus, that I believe that it's true? Does it actually change my daily life? Do I actually live as if God is reigning over all things, or, or do I forget about it or not think it's that important and then live my life in a different way as a result? Like, do I actually live as if God is somehow reigning over all things, whether I understand it or don't understand it? And, and do I believe that God is good and God is wise and, yes, God is mysterious and does things I don't understand, but do I live as if it is true? Or do I actually live my daily life as if the ascension of Jesus is just uh, not really relevant? Just like it, you know, kind of gets forgotten. And if I did, if I had forgotten how important it is, or, or live as though it's not that, that important, or not really relevant, or just something to kind of be, you know, forgotten and trotted out every once in a while, once a year if you remember to, what would that look like? What would be the signs and symptoms in my life of me doing that? And here's what I come up with. Well, who do I think is actually in control of my life on a day-to-day basis? Do I think I am? And then do I live that out and say, okay, uh, I have to to make sure everything happens in this way and I have to control everything because if I don't control, then nothing's going to happen the way it's supposed to to get done. Or do you live each day as if everything depends on you and nobody else can handle anything? You do that sometimes? Like, I must do every detail because, well, uh, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Which, sometimes that's true because if you have responsibilities. But if that becomes your, your pervading attitude that you speak over and over again, say, well, I have to do this because nobody else will. And if nobody else does it, then it won't get done. It's, it, everything's up to me. You start to control everything. Then you start to think that you can. And we can start to believe that, well, if I can control a lot of these details in my life, if I can control things, then I won't have to worry. Right? Because I can fix it all. And if you can control every outcome and every detail, then uh, you'll say, well, if I just control where my, my kids are at all times and control who they interact with then I, and, you know, what classes they're in and who their friends are, what sports they play and, and whether they play on this team or that team. And if I can control all these external things, then I can control the outcome and everything's going to turn out okay, Right? 
Or you might have done that with your career and said, well, if I just went to, got into this school and went to this program and studied uh, this track, and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get a career, I'll land a career job at some point and I'll be able to stay there forever. Uh, and 15 or 20 years in, they get bought and you're out, right? You thought you could control everything and, and then you, you can't. Do you know what the opposite of control is? I think it's trust. So if I'm trying to control more and more things in my life and the lives of people around me, what does that say in my relationship to God? Who do I trust? Probably me, right? I probably trust me to control the details rather than uh, to trust God. And there's a term that somebody came up for this a long, long, long time ago, but it's been really helpful for me to think about, and a lot's been written about it. And the term is this, practical atheism. Maybe you've heard that before. So, uh, and Christians have written books, preached sermons, talked about a lot. It came from a psychologist, philosopher, whatever, a long time ago. But to say, well, if we actually live our lives on a daily basis as if uh, God, God's involvement isn't there or doesn't matter, then I might say I believe a lot of things, but practically I live as if that's not true. So I might not actually say I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, but I might live my life as if that's true. Does that make sense? And so it's uh, really helpful for me to... Uh, read some Christians talking about it, and in some ways that term has haunted me at times, because then I step back and go, Ryan, are you controlling details and things because you don't actually think God's God? How about you let God be God and, and you be you? That sounds like a pretty good deal, right? And if you step back and look at the ascension of Jesus, just what it means, what it stands for, what it represents, that the truth that there is a throne room of the world of the universe, and it is not empty. It is not occupied. It is not looking for job applications. God is there. The same Jesus who bled and died in your place and in my place because he loves you and wants to forgive every last rotten sin in your heart and life and mine. That same Jesus who is risen and shows his hands and feet to his disciples as proof is ascended to his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, reigning over the universe, the world, that should bring our hearts comfort, as we just sang. By the way, that uh, hymn we just sang, you can go back and read it on your own time later. 400-year-old words that are essentially what my sermon is. Believe that Jesus Christ is ascended. God is on the throne, and your heart can settle and trust and have rest. And truthfully, you can be released from your and my practical atheism. That is to say, you can be released from saying, I believe that Jesus is risen and reigning and returning, but then going and living as if everything depended on me and I must do it or it's never going to get done. You and I can be released from living our feet on the ground daily lives as if God isn't involved and trust that God is. Let God be God and you be you. You see, a belief in the ascension of Jesus calms your heart. Calms your anxiety down. 
and it releases your grip on whatever things you'd like to and try to control in your life and the lives around you. And when you take your hands off of that tight, white-knuckling of life, you trust. And I think there's only one who has earned that trust, earned the right to the trust of your soul, and that is Jesus, who was crucified but now is risen, reigning, and returning. What he has done for you and me is, is completed, it is finished, he is risen, but, and he is raised, reigning, ascended and reigning, but he has not yet returned yet, and when he will all of the things that don't make sense and all of the pain that is still outstanding in your life, in the world, in our hearts, that will one day be dealt with and solved. And only the ascended and reigning one has the power and authority to do that, to return and restore all things. So let's open up Acts, the ascension story, and see about that. Acts 1, 6 says, When they had come together, that's the disciples and Jesus, he asked them, or they asked him, sorry, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is like mega fail in every way of the disciples. <laughs> Whole ministry, they've been waiting for Jesus to raise an army, kick out the Romans, finally take our power that we've wanted. And that, you know, Jesus, we've put up with you for some of this mysterious kingdom of God talk and, and kingdom out of this world. You know, we, we've put up with it. We don't really understand it all. We're really hoping you finally, you know, kick some serious Roman behind, get them out, and finally establish our, our rightful. Jewish country, come on, Jesus, are you finally, now that you're, you're, all right, we got it, you were crucified, you're alive again, that's amazing, now will you? What does that sound like the disciples want? Power and control. And what is Jesus' response? It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive Power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They're saying, the disciples are saying, Jesus, will you take over, will you use your power and take over control? It's time for power. And Jesus says, you will receive power. But we're not talking about the same thing, are we? They're talking about the kind that, that, means they can control the outcomes and control the details of their country and their country's future and therefore their people's future. Jesus, do that. Are you finally going to do what we've really wanted you to do and, and be the, the God we wanted you to be, not the God that we trust because you are God and, and we are not? And Jesus turns it around and says, you will receive power. But it's not the kind you're thinking. You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, it's where they were, Judea, Samaria, surrounding areas, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took them. While they were gazing into heaven, he went, and behold, two men st stood by in white robes, said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking to heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way 
The disciples wanted political power, military might, uh, control, national control. And God said, you will have power, but it's something far bigger than the small things you're thinking about. You're going to be a witness to my resurrection. Now, it might be even a stretch for us to believe how that doesn't even compare. God says, you're going to be a witness to my resurrection. And as he said at the end of Luke, you're going to share the forgiveness of people's sins with them. That's what it means to live in true power of the Holy Spirit, which means you have to trust in a God who is risen and reigning and returning. And when you trust in a God who is risen and reigning and returning, it means you release the controls and realize that you are a creature under the care of your creator. You see, there, to be a Christian in one sense is to believe that there is a rightful king of everything who is the creator of all and the caretaker of all. And he is the rightful king, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who sits on the throne and the comfort is, that means you don't have to. When we try to control so many things in our lives and other people's lives, what you're actually trying to do, if we think about it, in God's terms, is say, God, you're doing a bad job of being God. How about you move over and let me sit in the chair for a while because I think I can do a better job in my life and in the world and my community and the lives around, right? Now, I, I wouldn't say that to God, but that's kind of what we are saying, Right? God, I think you're doing a bad job of being God. Move over. Now, now let me. What if you, now this I'm sure would never be possible, but what if you found a possible way to uh, get yourself to London and try to sneak into Buckingham Palace and try to sneak your way into the throne room of the queen, which there is one there, yes. And if you were to, uh, and if you weren't, you know, arrested five ways and, and, you know, deported and banned from the country as an American forever, by then, if, if you somehow were able to plan it all and, and sneak your way and, and nobody's around, I made it to the throne, and you were to plop yourself on the throne in Queen Elizabeth's throne room in Buckingham Palace, would that make you king or queen of England? It would not. It would just get you in big trouble, right? And how many levels of disrespect would it be? Sitting on, in the chair doesn't make you king or queen. You see, you and I are not the rightful lord and king of the world or of your own life. And saying that Jesus is risen, ascended, and reigning releases you from having to worry about all that and try to sit in the chair. You say, oh, it's not even mine. You're not the rightful king or lord of your life or of the world. God is, and God can handle it perfectly well. And when the Holy Spirit continues to work faith in you and me to look at, at your Jesus as risen and reigning... And one day returning, it frees you to, to trust. And yes, trust is, means loosening the grip and releasing control and not having all the answers, but trusting, trusting a God who is trustworthy and who has proven it by centuries upon centuries of making promises in his word and keeping promises in his word and keeping all of them in Jesus on the cross, 
bleeding, dying, rising, risen, reigning, and one day returning. So when your life doesn't make sense, your Jesus is still risen, reigning, and returning. And when you uh, look in the mirror and look at your age and say, man, I I'm old, or I'm older, and life has passed me by, and, and all of my peers have had all of these experiences that, that I haven't. Guess what? Your Jesus is still risen, reigning, and returning. Or maybe you got passed over for the job you really wanted, and you thought, man, that was my one chance, or that was my last chance, and now, uh, now I'm never going to have it anymore, and well, guess what? Your Jesus is still risen, reigning, and returning. Or maybe you didn't get into the, uh, your, your first school of choice or program you really wanted and thought, oh, man, my, my career is over before it even starts, and, and what am I going to do? Or how? Guess what? Your, your Jesus is still risen, reigning, and returning. Or maybe every time you turn on your favorite news outlet channel of choice, which could be, you know, liberal or conservative, depending on your preference. But if you turn on your favorite news channel of choice, it just makes you uh, anxious and angry and think that everything is chaotic and, and everything is going wrong if my side doesn't, doesn't win these things. And, and then you start feeling anxious and out of control. And guess what? First of all, turn it off and go outside. Secondly, your Jesus is still risen, reigning, and returning. Or that night that you replay over and over again in your head because you say, if I, if I just didn't do that one thing, if I didn't make that one mistake or, or do that one sin, that, then you know, my life would have been differently and, and you just keep replaying over. Guess what? Your Jesus bled and died and took that away. It's gone. And he is risen, reigning, and returning. Your Jesus ascended for you. And that is good news. 